Hi, and thanks for tuning in to My Adventures at Home Brewing. I'm Dan Matthews, and come along with me as we talk about things for new home brewers, from gadgets to how we got started to, I don't know, all the mistakes we make along the way. So come along for the ride and have a beer or two along the way. Hey everybody, it's Dan once more here, and it's time to go around the sun one more time and have a beer or two along the way. Thanks a lot for joining us. So if you remember last week, we had Horst Dornbush on the on the show talking about alt beer. The man is a wealth of knowledge. If you're going to get a chance, look him up online. Look at his website. Uh, he has two. He has horstdornbush.com and, uh, and cerveciamedia.com. Uh, he is a, uh, believe it or not, a brewery consultant now after having time in the publishing business, having his own brewery. Yada yada, you name it. This man's pretty much done it all. But he is, when it comes to German beer, he is the authority on it. So take the time, go check him out, and let me know what you think. Because if you'd like to have him back, he's been more than gracious to say he's willing to come back. So with that said, this week, uh, if you some of us, some of you follow me on social media, which I hope you do, uh, I put out the call to uh, listeners and followers to say, hey, look, if you'd like to be on the show and tell me your story, reach out. And I had this really cool gentleman from down in Phoenix, but he is a native of Minnesota, if I'm right, uh, reach out. Uh, his name is Fred. And, and Fred has uh, said that uh, he'd like to be on the show and tell us a little bit of a story. So Fred, how are you doing down in Phoenix? I'm doing great, Dan. Um, we're, we're enjoying the nice weather down here, so I, I got no complaints. Awesome. Uh, like I was saying, like we were chatting before, I wish I was having rain instead of snow here in Ottawa, because right now what it looks like we're getting about another, another foot, foot and a half of snow dumped on us before it even stops. So kudos to you. I look forward to being somewhere where it's warm very, very soon. <laughs> I, so I, We don't miss the snow at all. We, we spend a lot of our lives in North Dakota and Minnesota. So um, we, we live down here for a reason. So I don't blame you. I would too, if my, if I could get away with it, but I still have uh, kids who are needing to be in school and not old enough to be out of the house yet, but soon, very, very yeah. soon. So uh, with that said, Fred, um, you reached out and you said that you have an interesting story. And I looked you up a little bit through Instagram and your, your Instagram handle is as bl blind brewing guy, right? Blind brew guy. Yeah. Blind brew guy. So, yeah. um, I looked and read a little bit and you were saying you're, you brew while visually impaired. So to me, that's pretty impressive. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to turn the mic over to you. And if you could tell us a little bit about yourself and then a little bit more about your adventure through brewing, uh, that would be great. Okay. Uh, well, well, first it's, it's funny that you mentioned horse. Um, I'm drinking a alt beer that, is brewed from a, a kit that I got from Homebrew Supply, the Homebrew Happy yeah. Hour guys. And yeah, they yeah. had Horst on their show, oh, a month or more ago, probably two months ago. Yep. And he tweaked their recipe, their alt beer recipe that they put out. Uh, so, so I brewed that after, after Horst had tweaked it. And my, uh, it's really good. And, and my oh, daughter yeah. says it's, it's her new favorite beer of the ones I make. I went out to get a glass to, to drink while we're doing this and I got half a glass and the keg blew. So now <laughs> this is it for a while, but yeah. So, anyway. yeah. So the alt beer I make, um, 
he actually tweaked my recipe too. So I'm, I'm anxious to try it, but the alt beer I make, uh, my relatives down in, excuse <clears throat> me, in um, Southern Quebec, go through it like water and air it like, I'd say almost every month and a half, I'm getting, hey, Dan, we need another five gallons of beer. I'm like, what? Where is it going? And they're like, we're drinking it. It's yeah. just that good. I'm like, damn, I mean, I should open a brewery. But that's not reason why we're here. <laughs> okay. Um, well, so I first started brewing back in the late 80s. Uh, my brother and I made a few batches of beer. And and back then, my my eyesight was, wasn't really an issue. I, I was starting to have some problems. But uh, nothing that prevent me from doing things that that everyone does. So um, we did that. We brewed a few batches. It was drinkable, but it wasn't enough to to make us keep going anyway. And we had families to raise and things like that. So um, uh, it kind of got put put on the shelf for quite a while. And then after I um, had to retire because of my eyesight problems, uh, they they've gotten quite a bit worse. I was looking for something to do. A lot of my hobbies, I wasn't able to do uh, uh, hunting, uh, canoeing, camping, things, a lot of outdoor stuff. Uh, it was just too too difficult and to be honest, wasn't safe for me to do. So I was looking for something else, tried a few other things. And one day I just decided, well, maybe I should make some beer. And I you know, I've been enjoying craft beer for quite a while, you know, things have changed a lot since the 80s. And, and I got into the to the uh, craft beer drinking. And I thought, well, I'd like to try and make a few of those. So I brought bought the Mr. Beer kit and made a I made a stout. And it was fine. But you know, there again, it wasn't anything like the stuff that that I was buying commercially, the craft beers or the or the breweries I was going to. So I started looking at at how to how to make it better, and obviously it was to move move into uh, first into extract brewing, and it was good good to get my feet wet to try to figure out what I could do and what I couldn't do, uh, you know some simple things like trying to tell when the wort was boiling is difficult. You know, for most people, you just look in and you can tell yeah. it's boiling hard. It's not boiling. I have to have, I started out having to have someone look at it and tell me is, you know, how's it, how's it looking? <laughs> uh, and, and obviously that's, that's not me brewing that I'm relying on other people. And I, I, I wanted to be able to do things myself. So I practiced with the extract and the, the specialty grains. And then my daughter, my youngest daughter, uh, who had started brewing one gallon all grain batches um, about the same time I started brewing beer, she 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 talked me into trying all grain, and she brought bought me a a five gallon all grain. Uh, it was a, a kind of a dark beer, a, a, a Belgian, a dark Belgian beer. It right. didn't really have a style, but she bought me the kit. Uh, I bought a brew bag, and we gave it a try, and and. It turned out really good. In fact, I still make a version of that beer as one of my one of my go-to dark beers. So, uh, so from there, you know, I, I started realizing, okay, there's a lot of this I can do. The brew in the bag really made it easy for me to control most of the things I needed to to be able to do. Um, I I got a a pot with a temperature gauge built in, so 
with the help of a magnifier, I can keep track of the temperature myself. Now I, I don't have to try and read nice. a, a dial thermometer that's stuck in the in there and and it gets I, I, I tried doing that with my magnifier and it would get all steamed up and I, could, yeah. you know, I could, couldn't see what was going on that way either. So uh, so the, the the pot with the built-in uh, temperature gauge was a was a big help for me. Um, and just the more batches I brewed, the 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 better able I was to to do it on my own. I, I still like brewing with my daughters. They they both help uh, brew with me when when they're available. So that makes it easy. Um, and I have some friends that brew too. But but I can make a batch myself now without without uh, causing too much problem anyway. So it's it's just a way of uh, you know I, I've got extra time. I'm retired. I, like I say, I, I need, I need something to do and uh, making beer is relaxing. It's, it's fun to make it. It's fun to drink it afterwards and socialize yep. over it. It's just, uh, it, it's turned out to be a, a good hobby for me and, and help me, uh, help me just kind of deal with things. And it's a sense of accomplishment that, you know, not everyone can brew beer. I mean, they, they could if they tried, but um, you know, I have friends that uh, that are, you know, I won't say amazed, but they're impressed that I can that I can turn out something decent, plus the fact that that it's difficult for me to be able to see what I'm doing. Yeah, so uh, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm retired as well after 21 years in the army. Uh, I got tired of uh, beating my body into a pulp, um, and also my knees and my back after jumping out of airplanes, I've taken a beating. <laughs> so yeah, it was about time to hang, hang up the uniform and move on. But then I needed something to do. And, and I kind of went back to school. I did this, did that. And then I wound up working at a craft brewery, which sparked my interest in brewing again. Cause I used to, like you, I was my wife in the late, no, it was late nineties. My wife bought me a, uh, a homebrew kit as well you got the bucket the plastic carboy mm -hmm. and everything else <clears throat> and that was fun and all but like you said liquid malt extract and trying to make that into a decent beer is, uh, it's kind of like you know a shot in the dark you hope it hits some hope it hits but right. nine times out of ten it doesn't so um come forward and now i'm all grain brewing because i just kind of said screw it i'm going to do it the way they do it at the brewery and i jumped in both feet uh i went and got a uh, a robo brew so and then the rest is history so your pot are you are you brewing on in your kitchen on your stove or no no i i'm totally outside uh one of the advantages of living in arizona is that uh uh, weather typically isn't a problem. I, I maybe have been rained out one day in the last three years of brewing. Um, so, so weather is not a problem. I, I, I'm, I'm a messy brewer, not, not on purpose, but I tend to spill part of it because I knock things over because I, yeah. because of, because of my eyesight, things like that. I like being outside. The garden hose comes out, wash everything down, and we're yep. we're good to go again. My my wife would divorce me if I brewed in the house. Uh, a few of my first extract batches were on the kitchen stove. Luckily, I didn't boil over anything, or it could have been bad. Um, I, I used to bottle my beer. I, we did that inside, and 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 my wife would help, and she was gracious enough to help, but she she 
didn't like it. So she, she finally relented and said, you just need to start kegging your beer. So, uh, so that, that made things, that was a big change, um, big game changer too. When I switched to kegging, the bottling was, was difficult. It, you know, it was nice when you got done, you had all those bottles lined up, but it, uh, one time my daughter and I bottled up 13 gallons, um, a beer in one sitting and yeah, we had bottles all over the place. It was, uh, it was <laughs> That's a lot of beer. But, yeah. But now the, the kegging goes much, much smoother. So I totally agree. Uh, I like doing the seamless transfer from my fermenter into the keg and then just hook up the CO2 cylinder to it and just let it carbonate makes my yeah. life so much easier. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm looking at, uh, my next batch of beer, I'm probably going to, um, brew under pressure. I've got a, a quarter a quarter barrel keg that uh, I acquired through one of my Craigslist purchases. Um, and I bought, uh, I've taken the spear out and I bought a tri-clamp fitting for the mm. top. So I'm going to start pressure fermenting in that and, uh, and transferring, you know, carbonating and then transferring it right to kegs. So that's that's uh, kind of next on the, the list as soon as I uh, get, get brewing here again. You are going to love pressure fermentation because you can turn a beer in around as low as like three or four days. That's, that's what I've been hearing. And I, I know you've had, had some, uh, some discussion of that on your show. And I've listened to, uh, to Coulter talk about it on homebrewing DIY. Uh, so I'm, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to doing it. So I, I've got the ingredients ready. I'm going to brew up Good. A, a pale, a pale ale, that I've brewed before and, and give it a try there. So good. So all, my only word of advice is uh, make sure all uh, your seals are good. If you're going to do it inside of your inside of the keg and mm-hmm. um, with your um, spunding valve, if you use a spunding valve, uh, yeah. what I, I would say is um, cause, cause the gauges on them, you may need a, your magnifier. It'll be on the outside, but uh-huh. once it hits once it hits that pressure that you want to let it sit at, usually I aim for about 12 PSI for my gauges for when it's under pressure. And then once it hits that, I open up the release valve and watch it. And once it sits at 12, it's done. You just leave it there. So if it starts to go above that, it automatically releases all that pressure mm-hmm. for you, which is great. Yeah, no, it, it, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to giving it a try and I think it'll it'll be nice to one less thing to to have to deal with as far as transferring from the the carboy. I hate I hate auto siphons and tubing mm-hmm. and siphoning in general. It's hard it's hard when you can't see where the liquid is coming up the hose. And yeah. I've made a lot of messes trying to to siphon beer, so I, I don't like doing that at all. <laughs> so. Um... If I could ask, I mean, you don't have to answer this or not. You can tell me to go pound salt or not. Um, when did you notice that your eyes were starting to to go bad? Well, so I um, I first noticed it when I was in high school, and and my first first issues were night blindness. I I, I started realizing that uh, the, my friends could see when we were out uh, at night, and and. I, I, I was struggling. And so I went, uh, went to the eye doctor. Uh, he ran some tests and then sent me down to, I was, I was up in North Dakota at the time. He sent me down to, uh, to uh, the Mayo Clinic down in, in uh, Minnesota. 
and they came back with the news that I had this rare genetic disease. And so the, the night blindness was the first symptom or, or first issue I had. Uh, and then slowly over the next, uh, you know, 30 years or more, I slowly started losing my peripheral vision. So it kind of sh shrank down to where I was uh, like looking through a tunnel. They call it tunnel mm -hmm. vision. Uh, and, and so I could still see what I could, what I could see, I saw fine. So that's why I was able to work. I had to quit driving because of the, uh, because of the lack of peripheral vision about mm. uh, about 2000 or so, uh, 2000, uh, 2001, 2002. I don't even remember now because it's been so long, but uh, so I had to stop driving, uh, but I was able to keep working uh, thanks to uh, my wife uh, would take me to work and I had coworkers that were good about it. So I kept working, um, the vision kept deteriorating. Um, then I, I started working out in Washington, D.C. I transferred out there. Uh, uh, my organization had an opening and I was able to just do a desk job. I didn't involve travel like my, like my previous job with them. So that kept me working for a while. But after about 2015, is when the vision I did have that I could still use started getting really blurry and I, I started losing uh, the focus. And, and, and that's when things got to the point where I couldn't, couldn't work anymore. So um, I, I still worked for a little while, but basically since 2000, uh, 2016 is when I, I had to quit working. And, and it was, it was, you know, I, it was difficult to, to have to give up what you're used to doing and how you do it. Um, and since then, my vision has has maybe deteriorated, but it, it's at the point where it doesn't really matter now. What what I can see is, you know, I see shapes, I see light and dark. And if I magnify things, I can still, still read. Um, I still use a cell phone. I have to, in, I, I use what's called invert colors. It switches the, the dark and the light around, which really makes a difference for me. Um, and so I'm able to, and I have a electronic magnifier that does the same thing for reading paper uh, or temperature gauges. Uh, hydrometers are a little bit of a challenge, but I, I can still do that. I, I don't read a, hydro, a hydrometer as much as, as I'd like to, just because it is kind of difficult. I'm, I'm really looking at getting a, a tilt hydrometer that I can use because I think, I think I can see the the readings on my phone without too much trouble if if I go that route. But I, I just haven't wanted to spend the money yet. So yeah, I love. I have two tilt hydrometers. Uh, and I love them to death. I still use a regular hydrometer when I'm when I'm out in because I brew out in the garage as well. And, mm -hmm. and so when I'm doing my initial like you know your initial pre boil uh, after the after your mash and whatever else, I still do it with the uh, with a regular hydrometer and I take my notes and everything else. But once I drop the tilt in. I'm like, oh, okay. So I was off by like maybe 10 points. Oh, okay. So let's adjust everything and we're good to go. But um, now with your brewing, 
Um, are you using an electric or a gas setup? I'm still, I'm using a, a propane burner and, uh, and a 10 gallon, it's a, it's a mega pot. It's called, uh, so it's a heavy, you know, heavy bottom pot mm. with a, it's got a spigot on it uh, and the temperature gauge. So I can, you know, I brew five gallon batches mostly. I, I do have a kegel and I might start brewing a little bigger batches and, and splitting them with, uh, with friends. Uh, when, when we finally get over COVID, that's, it's put a, put a damper on my ability to be able to share and, and go through my beer. So that's, I'm not brewing quite as much just because I can't drink it all myself. And we, we're not having uh, company come and relatives come stay with us like we used to. So I'm waiting for call things that a to challenge. get back to normal. So. <laughs> I call that a challenge to drink all the beer that you make. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. But my wife doesn't like it when I take on that challenge. So. Ah, okay. All right. Yeah, my wife goes <laughs> does the same thing. We're trying to be healthy with, uh, you know, we like, like a lot of people, we've maybe uh, gained a little weight over the whole lockdown scenario. So we're, we're, we're trying to, trying to get ready for summer again. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, my plan was, uh, when uh, in the fall, I brewed like 15 gallons of beer, <clears throat> excuse me, and I had stored it away for the winter. Come forward into like beginning December, uh, I had family reach out and say, hey, look, do you have any beer? I'm like, oh, yeah, I've got a, got this, I got that. Okay, we'll take it all. What? <laughs> You've just wiped me out completely. So yeah. I back I had to go back out to the garage and start brewing yeah. again. I'm like this, I don't like brewing in the winter, <laughs> but I do it. Well, I'm, uh, I'm kind of happy. Like I say, I, I was sad to see the alt beer keg run dry, but that means that now I can, I can replace that. I have an IPA on tap that I know oh, nice. is almost, almost done. So I can, I can replace that. I think I'll make a breakfast stout. Um, but I, I had a milk stout that ran, ran out uh, right around Christmas time. So I, I usually like to try to keep a, uh, a stout or a dark beer on tap, uh, an IPA, and then something okay. lighter, uh, you know, maybe a Kolsch or right now I have a jalapeno blonde. I call it a Ooh. spicy blonde that I have on tap. Uh, when I have, when we have company and guests, they, they seem to like that. It's a little different than uh, what you get, you know, other places. So that goes well. It's, uh, so yeah, I'm, I'm thinking I'll brew, uh, brew this pale ale and I, I put a little tangerine peel in that. So that'll be a little lighter. And then I'll do, uh, do the breakfast out to have, nice. um, have something else. So we'll, we'll get replenished here again. And there you go. If you want, I have a chocolate espresso oatmeal stout recipe. If you want to give that a shot. Oh, if you want to send it to me, I would be more than happy to add sure. it to the, add it to the list. Sure, I'm more than happy to send that. Okay. As long as I can get your jalapeno uh, pale oh, ale recipe. That's that's not a problem. It's uh, it's it's pretty easy, and it's you know it's not spicy. Burn you you get the you get the flavor of the jalapeno and a little bit of the bite, but it's it, it's uh, it sounds different, but it's it's kind of refreshing. So uh, people seem to like it. Right on. So within the craft, or within our whole brewing community, I should say, um, it, it is, in fact, that it is a community. We're always there to help each other out, whatever else. Um, when you were getting back into it, 
did you notice that there was a lot of people out there willing to help you to navigate getting used to your new kind of normal with your eyesight and things like that? Yeah, I mean, like like you say, it's it's a great community. It's um, it's pretty receptive to to new people starting out and asking questions. Uh, I spent a lot of time on the the homebrew talk forum and Reddit, you know, looking looking there and asking some questions, especially when I was going to move into the the brewing the bag all grain. You know, there there was uh, some nuances there. I, I, I you know, you, you read the instructions, but you don't always know why you're doing what you're doing. So it, I'm the type that, well, tells me to do this, but I, I like to know why I'm doing it. Uh, just, yeah. just so I know. <laughs> I mean, I don't have a problem following instructions, but I, I like to know why I'm doing it. And so it was, it was good to ask questions. Um, then I started, you know, I, I listened to quite a few podcasts. So, uh, you know, I picked up a lot of information there along the way. Uh, and and that's uh, you know just it's just fun to to listen to other people talk about home brewing too and it'll be nice when we can get back to normal and and start hanging out with uh, with other people and and drinking beer and talking about making beer and things like that and it'll be a little bit more normal too but uh, but yeah it's it's still nice to do it uh, virtually if you can't can't do it any other way. Is there anything you would change in your in your brewing setup? Would you move away from the propane and say maybe go to electric, or is there anything else in gear wise you would change? I tell you, I am very comfortable with my setup now. So, um, my daughter, who who also brews, she she started out doing one gallon all grain. She now does brew in the bag five gallon all grain batches too. She would like to move to electric, but. She's got, she lives in a little colder climate. Uh, she's in Arizona, but she's at about 5,000 feet elevation. So they're cooler up there in the winter. So we, in fact, we just brewed at her place last weekend and we, we had to be in the garage. And she's got two, you know, she's got 240 electrical out there. She would like to maybe go all electric. I, like I say, I'm comfortable with, with my setup. I'm gonna be outside probably no matter what. So I'd have to run electric power out to where I brew and I don't want to mm -hmm. brew in the garage because of the mess. So I'm really happy. Like I say, if, if I could add one thing now, it would be just the tilt hydrometer and I would be pretty happy because I'm, I'm good with what, what I'm doing and I understand, I know it. I, you know, a lot of what I do I have to do by rep repetition because I can't, uh, it's hard for me to go out of the box sometimes if it, doing new things. So I, I'd have to learn all over again if I went electric and, and I just, I'm just comfortable and my beer turns out good. So I don't see myself changing anytime soon. And that makes total sense. I mean, I don't trust myself around a propane burner anymore. Oh. <laughs> <clears throat> I so uh, when I was still serving, we go out in our field exercises, and if we are inside, uh, like say our base camp, we'd have these things that look like giant garbage cans, but and they'd have this stack coming out, which was like an immersion burner or immersion heater. So okay. you'd have like fuel dropping down onto a little spoon, which would cause it to ignite, and then it would cause the heater to kick in, which would heat the water. But if you did it wrong, you'd have a then like a. <laughs> 
big ball of flame go up in your face and you lose your <laughs> eyebrows, some of your yeah. hair. And that's happened to me more than once. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm, don't get me wrong. I love my propane barbecue and things like that. Uh, I don't mind a propane stove, but a pro open propane burner making beer just makes me think of an immersion heater and it's going to go boom. You know, you know, combat arms guys, we are great at breaking things, but trying to fix them and make them work right. Yeah, no, that's not such a good idea. Yeah, no, I, a lot of people are like, are probably thinking, well, a blind guy probably shouldn't be around, you know, big pots of hot liquid with propane fires and stuff but you know i i've got my setup it's it, it works well for me and uh, you know i can be careful around i i can hear the propane burning so i i know to stay away from it i, I don't have that much trouble maybe if i tried electric system i would like it i i just i've never brewed on one um I wouldn't mind trying it out but it, at this point it's nothing i'm going to jump into without at least trying out a system or two and, and maybe brewing with someone that, that has one. And, and maybe I would like it. I, I guess I can't say, I just, all I know is I can do what I can do the way it is. So I'm, I'm not looking to change it, but if I, if I tried it, maybe, maybe that'd be a different story. You know um, it's to each their own, it's their own preference and, and what uh, they use. I mean, I like it cause it's for me, it's, easy to store it inside, put it away, whatever else. I don't have to worry about a propane tank freezing, especially here in Canada. Uh, so in, in that sense, it's good. But for portability and be able to say like our homebrew club here, the mob, we do one event every year, except for last year and probably again this year, it's called Big Strange Brew. Everyone gets together at a campsite. Uh, you bring your gear, we brew on site. And, you know, once it's into say like a, like a, a fermenter or a keg or whatever else you take it home you let it do its thing but if you're and a lot of people bring their propane burners and things like that and, and do it and that's great but if i'm there and i bring my electric kit unless i'm bringing a generator or there's a power supply somewhere mm -hmm. I, I i'm i'm sol so yeah so no, i i mean I think there's definitely, I, I can see that i would like the setting the temperature and not worrying about the you know, if, if it's windy out, trying to keep your yeah. mash temperature up. And I, I, I can definitely see the advantages to it. I'm just, I'm just not, you know, and I know that it's, it's getting to be more and more popular and the systems are, are getting cheaper and better, I think. So uh, who knows, I, I kind of, if my daughter gets one, I, I, I'll definitely be brewing with her and checking it out. That's for sure. Absolutely. So now let's move on to your styles of beer here. And now you've mentioned a few that you, that you are making, which sound absolutely fantastic, but what is your favorite style to make? I mean, I mean, if you're going to tell uh, me it's horse horses, uh, alt beer, I'm on board, man. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the alt beer is, it's good. I can see, like I say, this is the first batch I made. I, I already have all the ingredients to make a second batch, uh, other than the yeast, uh, uh, so I, I just need yeast to make the second batch of that. I, uh, I've always favored stouts for some reason. I, I you know, I, I drink a lot of other beers, but I like, I like stouts. Uh, so I, I usually brew a stout and, and have some of that on hand. Um, I, I didn't used to like IPAs when we when I first started drinking craft beer. I used to say I'll I'll drink anything 
as long as it's not an IPA. <laughs> Luckily, because if, if that was the case, I wouldn't get to drink beer sometimes because that's all you can find it at a few places. Pretty much. But, uh, but I've definitely, I definitely embrace the IPA now. I, I, I usually have one of those on tap uh, and, and I've made uh, my, my, my family and friends tell me it's good. So I, I believe them just because they don't usually lie to me, but um, so, but it's not my, it's not my favorite, but I always have one. I think they're refreshing. And then, and like I say, I, I made a, uh, I do a, a couple wheat beers that have turned out very well. I, I, I almost wish I, I have a three tap kegerator. I, I really wish I had enough for five. I think I could keep five beers on tap and I'd be happy uh, enough variety there, but, um, but you know, it is what it is. You rotate, rotate out what you, uh, what you can and, and you just have to pick and choose. So, uh, but I don't have a, I don't have a style that I really am stuck on. I, I never, I've never made a, like an haze, a hazy IPA. I know that, you know, they're all the rage too. I'll go drink. I'll have one when I, we go out to a brewery or a, or a mm. tap room, but I haven't ever felt the need to make one myself. I'd rather, I have others that beers I'd rather make. So uh, I've never made a sour, but I, I do enjoy some of the sours too. Uh, not, not all of them. Uh, there's a few out there I've had I didn't like, but for the most part, I, I do like having a sour now and then also. But there again, I don't know if I want to make uh, a five gallon keg and have on hand when I could uh, have something that maybe I enjoy a little more. Yeah, and I totally hear you on that part. I mean, the uh, especially when it comes to the dark beers, I am a sucker for a good dark beer, especially yeah. a good, a good stout. I am a sucker <laughs> for a good stout. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I lean, I lean towards the nice barrel aged ones now. Uh, mm -hmm. so I'm getting ready to start planning my own, uh, my own bur barrel bourbon stout. So we'll okay. see how that goes. But no, that would, that would be, uh, would be fine. I've, I've looked at a few recipes I have and, haven't pulled the trigger on trying the barrel aged yet, but uh, someday you know, we'll get there. So there are some cool tricks you can do with that. So if you have, um, you can get them at your local homebrew shop, uh, oak chips, mm -hmm. you get those. And then uh, you put, depending on how much oak you want, you put them inside of say a measuring cup, then you top it off that cup. So it's all covered with your choice of bourbon and you let it sit for until it's pretty much almost all absorbed and but during that process you also drop a vanilla bean in there to give okay. it a little extra character and mm -hmm. then when it comes time you put all those chips inside of uh, a mesh bag what's left for bourbon you put that into your keg or your fermenter once you start to transfer it over tie the bag off with a piece of fishing line because it's so that way once you close the lid on your keg Mm -hmm. that fishing line's just going to hang there and you just tie it off on the handle. And when you're ready to take it out, you purge the CO2 out, open sure. up your lid, take that out, close it, purge it with CO2 and you're, and you're ready to go. Yeah. That, I mean, I, it sounds like a good, a good way to do it. Obviously I'm probably not going to have a barrel on hand or anything to put it in, but uh, yeah, I, I could see, I could see giving that a shot. I, I think it would be uh enjoyable to to have something a little different absolutely absolutely so is there anything else you want to tell us about your adventure oh not not that i can think of uh, unless there's there's something that you think i left out but 
you know, all I can say is it's it's a great hobby. It's been enjoyable, and it's hard not to uh, not to realize what a great community this is when when you start talking with people like yourself or or even just listening listening to people on podcasts. Uh, my Instagram account, I mean, I have a lot of people that I've never met, but I consider a lot of them to be friends. We, we, we talk, comment on each other's stuff back and forth and, and ask questions. And, and it's, it's there again, people, people you never met face to face, but you start, uh, you start to think that you know them and, and uh, at least trust, trust some of them. So it's, uh, it's a great group of people all in all, I think, and, and I, enjoy enjoy this and I, I i i just never get tired of making beer drinking beer reading about it listening <laughs> about it it's it's you just can't get enough sometimes that's awesome so um one quick question any advice for anyone who may be uh, visually impaired that want to get into this any words of advice i i would i would say and part of it is because when you know visually impaired is a big it's a big umbrella. So, I mean, not everyone has the same issues I have, and, but, but realistically you need to do, do some, you know, go through a brewing brew day with someone else if you can, and then just see what, what things you think you can do, what things you think you might need help on or, or things you might need to figure out a different way of doing so that it, it it'll fit with, with what, what your limitations are, because, you know, they are limitations. I, a lot of people say, oh, you act like you can, or you, you seem to be able to do everything. I'm like, well, no, I, I found ways to do things. Sometimes it takes me twice as long, maybe three times as long. I don't, I don't care that it takes me longer. I just want to be able to do stuff myself. Um, I, I don't mind if someone jumps in and says, well, here, let me help you with that. And, and we do it in, in half the time. I mean, that's, that's fine if they want to help, but I don't expect people to help me. So I, I really think they just need to just need to go through the process, figure out what, what they can do, what they might need to find things um, that can help them. Like I say, the, it took me a while to figure out that the, the temperature gauge on the pot was way better than trying to stick a dial gauge in the open pot and measure. I mean, mm-hmm. it, it didn't occur to me that that was even an option at first uh, until until I got a pot that had it, had it in there. I was like, well, this would have made my life easier for, <laughs> for like, uh, uh, you know, 20 batches of beer ago. But uh, it's just little things like that, or, or the, you know, I, I built a brew stand that sits over my pot uh, that I can lift the bag out with just by mm-hmm. myself. It's got a ratcheting pulley on it that, that locks, so I can just lift it up while it drains. It, I used to use a ladder and, and rope and pulleys, and it was, it was, it was an accident waiting to happen. And you talk yep. about, you know, having propane and and hot liquid and a ladder propped up above it. It was looking back, it was dangerous. But some of those things you, you just don't know until you do it. So it would have been nice to have to have tried tried brewing with someone else first and and figuring it out without having to do so much trial and error. Uh, and unfortunately, you know what? Uh, that's a, that's what our hobby is. Unfortunately, is trial and error. Yeah, yeah you a know, lot of sometimes. Times 
sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. So, but with that said, Fred, it has been awesome talking with you today. Thank you so much for, for reaching out, seeing that you wanted to share uh, your story about how you do your brewing. Uh, I've learned, you know, anything is possible just by talking to you. So thank you very much for being on the show today. And hopefully we can, I can have you back again sometime when we can talk recipes and things like that. Okay. I, I appreciate that. I really enjoyed it. Um, uh very happy that you uh that you thought i might have something to add to your show so um i, I do appreciate you having me on thanks a lot and uh don't hang around till till afterwards and uh, we'll go from there all right okay all right so thanks a lot guys and if you get a chance check out uh blind brewing uh was it blind brew guy blind brew guy Blind brew. See, I always wanted to call you the blind blind guy brewing. I and mean, you told me last time that was somebody else. So check out blind brew guy on Instagram. Check out Fred's Instagram handle. It's really cool what he's been doing. And again, Fred, thank you so much. And hang tight, and we'll see you on the other side, guys. <laughs>